Hey there, listeners! Welcome to Rhapsody and Reverie, episode 4! Bienvenue! Welcome! French! Yeah! Very fancy! Uh, Will Coleman, bienvenue, welcome! Uh, how does it go? From day, estranger, stranger? I don't, I don't want to do the whole song, don't make me do the whole song. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I won't. I. Actually, I, I blacked out like five thing. minutes ago. significant about the number but there is something significant about today's episode because we are talking today about about my, about my babies your favorite band we're the talking, 1975 we're talking about the 1975 yes we are here we go here we go okay so okay. this is what you need to know about me I love the 1975 more than myself sometimes. <laughs> so. It's a sad fact of life, but it's true. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, this is very overwhelming for me. This is the episode that I've been looking forward to the most in our season, probably. Oh, there, there are a couple others coming up that are also super, super exciting for me. But this is like very big of course it's your favorite band yes and this was i think actually a part this okay because um yes this was the second show we saw together oh yeah yeah because um you remember like this was our first show of sophomore year i came back because over the summer you were like we're going to see this band and you have until this date to memorize all of their lyrics. And I was like, okay, I know two songs from them, and I know I like them. I saw them with you every year until we graduated. Just about. I Yeah, I was thinking now. about that um, <laughs> not too long ago. But yeah, I've seen them almost every year since 2013. Because so- I love them. And yes, and that brings me to my first question for you. Oh, yeah. How did question. you just? How, I do because I feel like I love this band a lot, but I I feel like I want to get into the nitty gritty of why they're your favorite band because I feel like that's important. Okay. All right. Well, there. How there did is How did point. you just? How did you discover them? Okay. Um. So, the story of how I discovered the 1975 is actually kind of one of my favorite discovery stories for a band. Because um, I actually discovered them through another band that I liked. Um, Was it One Direction? What? No, because <laughs> <laughs> no, you remember that weird period of time where, like, Right. Harry Styles said something like, oh, the 1975 are a great band, and then suddenly the concert was full of Directioners, and we were like, well, where did these children come from? No, no, that happened a couple of years after, or a year or so after I had already been a fan forever. Um, yeah. No, actually, I discovered them in, like, at the end of my senior year of high school. It was like, 20 late 2012 or something early 2012 maybe something like that but i so i am in love with this band therefore tomorrow they um have since split up and i follow like all of them on twitter like each of the band members i follow on twitter and the drummer 
he had some Spotify playlists that he had like tweeted out once. I think it was sex that um was on his playlist. And that was the first song that I heard of the nineteen seventy five. But yeah, so that's how I discovered the nineteen seventy five. Um I heard sex and uh it blew me away. I was like, Oh my god, this song is so cool. Um and then I heard chocolate because that was also on that playlist. Um mm-hmm. and I liked it. And at this point, I liked the songs, but I wasn't obsessed. I was not at obsessive levels yet. We were approaching them, but I was not there. So I listened to Chocolate, and it's a good, uh, it's a good song. It's up, upbeat, and it makes you want to dance. But <laughs> it wasn't until I saw the music video for that song. Oh yeah. Um. That was the moment when I changed from being just a casual fan to, like, this is the greatest band making music on the planet. (laughs) Like, that that was the moment. And I'll tell you why. Because when I listened to Chocolate, like, the first few times, like, I liked it. It's a good song. It's a really good song. And it's fun. But in my head, I was picturing, for, like, a music video, I was picturing, like, your typical sort of indie alternative band vibe music video of like smoke bombs and flower crowns and people oh, running boy. through like Coachella and things like that. Like just sort of lighthearted, like positive, happy vibes. But mm-hmm. then you watch the music video um, when I sat down and watched it, and it's this black and white, this dark, sort of somber tone. You've got Maddie um, and the band in the car just driving and smoking. And then you have Maddie Healy and um, I believe it was his girlfriend at the time um, who was in the video. And they're like naked and they're holding each other close. And it's these really intimate um, sort of angles. And it's all just like shot. shot completely in black and white and it was such a stark contrast to the way I had initially interpreted the song that interesting it it just like it it blew it blew my mind honestly because it made me realize that this wasn't just like a group of guys making random pop songs like it was it was a band with a singular vision and a unique vision. I find that there's a lot of beauty and ambiguity in their music. And I'm not sure if that was intentional or if, if this is Maddie Healy just adding to the uh to the ambiance of their band or not. Um because I, I really enjoy how artsy if that if that yeah. sounds like I'm pandering, but it's I don't, I'm not sure how it's to describe them. They are a very artistic, um, very very out there kind of band. Yeah, they are art- not not so much not so much in sound, but in in attitude and in general feel. There's something about them that feels very disconnected and otherworldly, at least to me. Yeah, and that's very much intentional. Um, as it is, that's kind of that's kind of at the root of what makes the 1975 who they are. Like, when you listen to some earlier interviews with Maddie Healy, uh, a lot of times they get asked about, um, oh, why did you guys go for a black and white aesthetic initially? Um, Which they have since moved away from, but uh, Maddie's answer to that question was always sort of um, the idea that he and the rest of the band find comfort in the detachment from reality that black and white can give you. Um, And I think, so I think that ambiguity and this idea of detaching from reality is something that is at the heart of everything they do. And it's what drives them and their music and their creations is this idea that they can 
separate from the rest of the world in order to be completely 100% introspective when they create music and when they create their visuals, when they create their content. So one of the many things that I've done in my life as I've been obsessed with the 1975 is write obsessive blog posts about them. (laughs) (laughs) But I stumbled across one of the first blogs I wrote about them and the way I described their music is something I still agree with is that like when Maddie Healy writes his lyrics they sound like a stream of consciousness like it all just sounds it sounds like you're inside someone's head when you listen when you really listen to a 1975 song Mm -hmm. and that's what I've always loved about his music and his writing style and the 1975, that means so much to me. Like, I love music so much, and it's so much a part of me and who I am, that hearing music that feels so, so deeply personal is something that I crave and I seek out and I love because it's just, it's a mutual understanding between me and an artist that this is a personal moment, and this is serious, and this is between you and me. It makes me feel understood in a way that I'm not understood in a lot of other ways like the best way to get to know me is to get to know my music and I've said this. that's true yeah that is confirmed yeah like you don't know her until you listen to this podcast yeah and I complete it's true <laughs> I, I've had conversations about this with my own mother the only way you're going to understand me is if you actually like listen to the songs that I tell you about. When I tell you to listen to a song, it's not something I do arbitrarily. Like, if I'm telling you, hey, you should listen to this, it's because I'm trying to tell you something. I'm, I'm trying to let you in on my, my life and who I am. And I'm trying yeah. to speak to you. And I find it very fascinating that because that is the case, your favorite band being the 1975, all of their music is so surrealist in terms of lyrics, um, sometimes in terms of sound. I like the fact that they play a lot with, not ambient sounds, but um, they, they play a lot with, with, with just resonance, with just notes mm-hmm. going on for, for almost too long, but not. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very interesting thing. Like you said, like you're, you're inside, at least Maddie Healy's head, like you're inside wandering around this headspace that, that sometimes makes sense and sometimes doesn't. So maybe there, maybe there's a certain beauty in the ambiguity that, that they're highlighting here, that there's something in the abstract worth looking for. When you listen to a song like The Ballad of Me and My Brain, which is off their second oh, album, incredible song. that song, that's probably one of the most me songs that they've done. Okay. Because it's just this, when you listen to that song, there's this sort of haunting and frantic energy to it. Whenever I hear it, I like I can picture myself in his shoes when I listen to that song. And wow. it it feels so true to the way that I live my life at times. Which is scary in some ways, because that song's not <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say that song That sounds um, not a positive does not end on a song. positive note. Like, it's 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 weird because it you know it it feels it it feels very frantic. I agree with you. It's almost like he's trying to be positive, like he's trying to be like, uh, okay, stay calm, stay calm. Um, um, he's literally in the song. If you haven't heard it, looking for his brain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's looking for who he is. He's looking for this piece of him that is missing. Where would I be if I was my brain? Which is such a haunting thought. If you really stop and think about it, because aren't we our brains? scientifically speaking like that is such a crazy thought to think about well the last lines of that song are the nurse once told me she felt my pain but she couldn't find a single trace of my brain oops i did it again started playing forget my brain remember my name those last lines for like forget my brain remember my name that to me is so striking but it sums up so much of like where the 1975 is and I can identify with it it's this this idea of just feeling like 
inside what's inside your head none of that matters in the grand scheme of society ultimately at the end of the day your name your brand that's what sticks in people's heads that's the thing they all want that's the thing they're all looking for that's the thing they're all after like that's so scary though like to me that's scary to me that's terrifying i i love this song i love this album but that the general message of that it is terrifying is terrifying and to be separated from yourself in favor of the surface level that people know. Yeah. It's terrifying, and I think that's exactly what they're going for. You look at the 1975's career, and that's kind of where they are, is where they've gotten to a point where, like, they are their name. And I think a lot of a lot of the songs on the second album is them sort of coming to terms with that and working through okay. it and dealing with that, at least the way I interpreted their second album. It's a scary thought, but it's a thought that you sort of have to think through. And so I think that's why the ballad of me and my brain stuck out to me on that album as like being such a powerful and important song. It it's weird to say I relate to it cuz obviously like I'm not a super famous band or anything, but the idea that the surface what people see on the surface is all you are is something that is a scary truth of the world in a lot of ways so when i heard the ballad of me and my brain it was this crazy moment of just finally having something that spoke to this idea that's been kicking around my head for the longest time especially because of going through college Mm -hmm. and growing up you start to notice just how much the perception of you matters like i don't think it's something that you're necessarily confronted with a lot when you're younger this this idea of like how you're perceived in society and the world and stuff i don't think that's something that necessarily really really affects you until you get older into growing into yourself more because then there's you get a point where you want people to perceive who you are and then you realize how difficult that is. Yeah, yeah, it's you you start to realize the difficulty of being perceived as your true and authentic self um as you get older. And so I think the ballad of me and my brain like for the 1975 it's this larger question of them and their band. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's also speaking to just a general like this general sense of just like how do you reconcile like between your perceived self and your authentic self is like is there a difference should there be a different like it's all these different questions and the way maddie sort of sets it up is this like quest for his brain like it's such an interesting way to sort of think about that i'm just like where where is my head these days like who am i (laughs) where is my head oh i'm such a fool i'm so silly (laughs) That was I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, I agree with you. I think I we had this discussion before the start of the episode, um, and I jokingly said, "Oh, we're gonna talk about um nihilism for an hour," and <laughs> I want to change my statement because I don't think necessarily that the 1975 sound is nihilistic i don't think so i think on a surface level on the outside if you don't delve too deep then yeah it's sort of like the music for a nihilistic generation where it's like we're all stumbling through trying to sort ourselves out from whatever new depression rock has hit us in the face or or that like we're, we're trying to sift through this stream of consciousness that we're all trying to, to sort out and make our lives something face it like a lot of millennials i know at least are extremely nihilistic mm-hmm. but i don't think that they really are yeah i think they're i think they're trying to combat it in, in their own strange way i think their sound is sort of a cover for i'm i'm looking for myself i'm i'm, I'm trying to sort out the split between nothingness and wanting something yeah i think they sort of i don't think the 1975 is a band that you could really necessarily label as being nihilistic or not i think Mm -hmm. they exist in this sort of gray area and not even just within for nihilism but just in a lot of other just like ideological questions i think they they seek to seat themselves in this sort of gray area so much of them is this exploration 
of these different ideas, like this question of nihilism and commercialism and authenticity and all these different things. Like, you listen to a song like If I Believe You, which is Mm. a beautiful song about this sort of just confronting... It's a song basically confronting God from Maddie Healy's perspective as someone who identifies more as an atheist, which is something that, I one, you don't really hear in a song by a pop band. It's not really really a topic you ever hear discussed in music, in popular music. And it was arranged beautifully in the style of a gospel song. Yeah. Too. And to me, that song was, he's crying out for, for an answer. Like, if you are real, tell me. If you're real, take all this pain and the, and the BS in my life and make it go away. Like, please. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a cry for help. And he's not sure if he's going to get an answer. Um, he, he says, like, there's a line where he goes, you know, you, you probably should have made me atheist. Which is an interesting concept. Yeah. I think the concept of like a god that if if you believe in a god then you must believe that he created atheism or he gave he he left the window of opportunity yeah open. it it is a it's an interesting concept and I think what's cool about that song is that it's so yeah it's just so open and it it takes on a different meaning for everybody that listens to it I think like depending on yeah. how you feel about that question within yourself. And it's not, and in some ways, like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be about God either. That's it's true. just this, it's just this beautiful sort of orchestrated exploration into this idea of, if I believe in something, is that going to help me change my life or not? Like, if I believe in something, yeah. what does that do for me? This question of faith in anything, I think, is a question that, like, is so important to confront as a person, but also so difficult Mm -hmm. to confront. I haven't been to church in a very long time, and personally, I identify more as agnostic than anything, but when I listen to that song, it sort of, like, reminds me and brings me back to a time of being, like, a kid and sitting in church and just being really confused and it's it's interesting to have a song like that sort of make you check yourself and make yeah. you really think about the way you identify with these larger concepts like it's something that like i think you can be blissfully ignorant of you can push it aside and not think about it but then like at the end of the day when like the chips are down and you feel so desperate what do you believe in i think that's where maddie healy is coming from on this song yeah that's that's a really good way to describe it there is definitely in that song a tone of beautiful desperation if we're if we're gonna say that all right so this is coming from a perspective of somebody who does believe in god i'm not gonna get into my beliefs or whatever Mm -hmm. but i've been in places where i've I have felt something so deeply, or I've hurt so strongly, or, or I've been lost, and I have had moments where I'm like, please, if you're listening to me, if you could take some of this, of what I'm feeling, and put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I, I have never felt the whole, like, you know, I'm, I'm an atheist grappling with this concept of, I don't know, maybe if I believe in you, my life will change. I've never had that, but I've had the, will you please take this off? Because I'm, I'm drowning here. So are you going, like, there's like an are you going to help me please kind of a feeling to this song that I could, that I could get in touch with. Um, and I could respect his struggle. Like, I could definitely see his point of view. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is a real question. I feel like a lot of people, everyday agnostic, atheist, whatever, they go through this. Or I, I feel like there's this cry where like, I'm, something's wrong with me. And since I'm told from day one to go to the church, to go to God, would doing this help me? Mm-hmm. So much of this album comes from a place of, at least for me, it comes from a place of just, like, help me. <laughs> like, so, like, so, but, I don't know why that made me laugh. That was not funny. Like, Please. There's this idea of circling a lot of these songs of just needing someone or needing something. And 
I think a lot of those songs sort of speak to that. You have songs like If I Believe You sort of needing this higher power. You have She Lays Down, where, like, I feel like he feels like he needs his mom, but she can't. Yeah. She can't be there. And, like, you have songs like Nana, which was written for his Mm -hmm. late grandmother. For his grandma. Yeah. You have songs like Somebody Else. Yes. Which is just this Somebody Else is... Such a great song. Cannot stress that enough. It's such a relatable song. Just this idea of like, I like I don't really want you, but I don't necessarily want to see you with someone else. Which I think I think a lot of people go through that in a breakup, where it's like I'm I don't like you, but I also don't want to see you yeah, happy either. Like it's a very <laughs> natural response, I think. I mean, it doesn't necessarily last forever, but like I think there is a moment in your sort of recovery process, so to speak, from a breakup where you're just like, I don't want you anymore, but I also don't want you to move on kind of thing. I think it comes out of a sort of lingering need for that person, but not even necessarily for that. Maybe more of a lingering need for intimacy and attention. The the desire to just be on someone's mind. Somebody else's... It it is something else. Okay. Uh, so what are your favorite songs then? Let's, let's start with the first album. We have many feelings about the second album, but the first album, I think, was that perfect blend of surrealism and, and an introduction. And while there, I think there's pain and commentary and whatnot on that album, it's a, it's a, the tone, I think, is very different from the, fir- from the second album. The first album was the self-titled album. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you include songs from the deluxe yeah. edition, because I really like the deluxe edition. Here's the thing, (laughs) just to clarify, the deluxe edition has all the songs that the 1975 released on their four EPs that they released in the UK, Uh but didn't release here. They had the EPs up on SoundCloud, Mm. so I was able to listen to the EPs on SoundCloud, and so I listened to those EPs. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is so cool. This is so great. I'm so excited for this album that's coming out. It's going to be awesome. And then they finally released the album. And I remember I was in my living room back in California. It was like maybe midnight or 1 a.m. I had my headphones in and I was literally losing my mind and senses like i was so i when i heard the song she way out for the first time i started tearing up like i i was just like this album is perfect like perfect all capital letters full stop period it's perfect it was everything i've ever wanted in an album it's so true to who I am as a person. Yeah. I, I like that when I first heard the music, I was, in, I was in a live show. And from then on, that album to me is very much an otherworldly... It's an otherworldly sound. And, and I like the fact that when I heard it, I felt disconnected from the rest of the world. And I was in that space. I was in that time. The reason why I think I connected to it as much as I did when I first heard it, is because when I was young, the music that I really kick-started me on my music-obsessive journey was, as embarrassing as this is, was disco music. That's not embarrassing. That's the opposite (laughs) of embarrassing. That is a good childhood. I, so, my, my dad had, my dad has a very large music collection, and growing up, we had this wall of CDs, basically, um, in our house. It was, like, wall CDs and records, and then my dad had this um, six-CD player and an amp set up all in this, like, area of our house, and I spent hours there. Nice. And my CD of choice was this, like, 70s disco compilation album and like andy gibb and stuff like that ah, so the a gibb lot brothers of... we should talk about them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <I have> thoughts <laughs> but anyway the point is 
a lot of where my musical taste started to develop was like 70s music and then leading into um, 80s funk music. Uh, that's where my roots were. And so when you listen to the 1975's first album, you really start, you really can hear the influence of 80s music and R&B music of the 80s within their discography. And it's something that Maddie acknowledges and has spoken about in interviews. There's this really great log cabin session that he did, uh, that the band did uh, years ago for MySpace when MySpace was still a thing. In it, he talks about how black American music was such a huge influence on him as an artist and the band and their sound. And you really hear it in both of their records, but um, the first record especially, you hear it on tracks like She Way Out um, and Hard Out and Settle Down. Like so, mu- so much of the grooves on the 1975 um, are reminiscent of those sounds from the 80s and late 70s. I, yeah, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I no because like it's weird because until you mentioned that I had never associated them as having that connection. Um, really, really, which is weird because like I always thought the song "Girls" had that great '80s pop sound. Um, mm-hmm. I really like the song "Girls" for like not just for that reason, but that's one of them because it, it does sound like it could have very well come out from like a a Tears for Fears album. Mm-hmm. Like I think it could have. Yeah. Which I, I think goes back to the whole beautiful nihilism of the 1980s pop genre. I think, you're right, is really well reflected in this first album. I'm not going to go so far as to say the second album, in my personal yeah. opinion. But this first album, that, that went completely over my head. So, thank you. <laughs> because I've been content to let it remain a mystery, if that makes any sense. The sound is just so intriguing overall on that album. And like, like I said, it's, it's forever going to be an out-of-body experience for me to listen to that first album. Like To me, it, it, it captures for me the sense of what it feels like to be in a smoke-filled room with music bombarding you from every direction, and you feel everything and nothing all at once. And that's a very strange yeah. thing, I think, to associate with an album. And, and yet, here we are. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a beautiful image. The idea of just being in a smoke-filled room. And which is what we were. Just, <laughs> we yeah. saw them. Which may have something to do with it, because like, like I said, I didn't listen to the album before I saw them. I, I listened to it after. So maybe the order in which I did that had an effect on how I interpreted their songs, but I don't know. I think they'd be pleased with that image. I mean, I think, I think there's an element of that within their music. Um, again, yeah, it just speaks back to the idea of the detachment from reality, and I think that's something that is definitely intentional on their part. The idea of sort of, like, taking you out of the familiar, taking you out of the the known constructs of music and of life and of society. Because, like, as it is, the 1975 talks a lot about their desire to not be beholden to one genre. And they definitely aren't. You could paint them with the broad brush of, oh, they're an indie band. But they're not, because they've transcended that. They're no longer, they don't have an indie sound, and they've transcended the genre of being a small indie band, and they're, they're a pop band. Their songs are on yeah. the radio. You don't hear no. some, like, what is it? Um, what's a song that I hear on the car commercial? Which I don't think it should be on this particular car commercial, because, like, it makes no sense. But, um, the sound? Yes! The, the point being that, like, they're not pop either, because I know it's, it's funny. I mean, they're pop, but they're not pop. Something that, again, Maddie has said in interviews before is just this idea that amongst our generation, 
we don't really consume music the same way that our parents did. And mm. as a result, genre kind of matters less for us in our generation because we're our parents and before people listened to albums. Like, yes. they sat down, they listened to albums by artists, and as a result, those artists sort of made an album that was based on a genre, and that was then, singles were released, and the albums were sold, and people consumed those albums. But our generation, you can release a song on SoundCloud today. You Mm -hmm. don't have to release an album. And a side effect of that seems to be that artists are able to bend genre lines so much easier. It's so much easier to make a whole new style of music because you don't have to worry about how it's going to fit on the context of an album. You can just be like, I'm going to just release it on SoundCloud today. Yeah. And so I think with the 1975, what they do best is just taking that idea and just applying it to the entire context of their band. So when they go into the studio, they make music based on the true reflection of themselves not on the reflection of their genre quote-unquote or their label or what the picture archetype that they're supposed to fit into you hear that so clearly on their first and second album especially their first album i love their first album so much if i could have she way out just play every time I enter a room, my life would be so much better. Like, I love that song. It, like, it's my strut song. The way a lot of people interpret it is like, oh, that song's about a girl that's out of her league, out of somebody's league, but that's not what the song's about. And I love that, because it's just like, again, it sort of speaks to this ambiguity that makes the 1975 who they are like you listen to that song and yeah you can't quite get a good grasp on it like on the first listen you have to really think about it i agree and i think that that perfectly sums up all of their music you need to listen to it over and over and over (laughs) to to really get a true sense even then like look it's been it's been five years since the first album came out. Five. And I'm still... Like, my views still change occasionally about what songs actually mean, or, or what they mean to me, or, or what he's actually trying to say. They're a very fascinating band that way. But yeah. you're right. Repetitive listening with them is key. Yeah, I definitely believe so. Is there somebody who can watch you? That song, first of all, is beautiful. But yes. the meaning of that song for me changed within the context of my own life. I heard it the first time, and for me, it made me think about going to college and leaving home. And that was the meaning that I sort of took away from it, leaving someone behind and leaving a life behind, which is like, which is definitely within that song. But then when I listen to it now, my life has changed a lot. And since then, I've watched my family dynamic completely change. And Mm -hmm. is there somebody who can watch you is so much more personal to me now. And in some ways, now it almost speaks to a kind of yearning. The yearning. Somebody who can watch you? Yearning, no, yearning (laughs) for a childhood. Yearning for, yearning for an innocence that, like, has changed. And it's yeah. it's so it's so different from how I first heard it. How can a song that already meant a lot like mean even more to me? Like <laughs> it was just crazy. And added added depth and added layers are yeah. something that this band handles very well. Oh yeah, definitely. And the music's just good. <laughs> <laughs> that piano, that piano, that piano. His voice on that song is so good. And then, like, just in general, his entire album's perfect. Hard Out is a great song. Like, I really like Falling For You. Falling For You is adorable. And that song... Poultry. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hopeless romantic in many respects. I pretend I'm not. I pretend I hate love and all things affection, but really I'm a... 
I'm a softie who, who just buckles for this kind of stuff. And there's such a, a, a tentative feeling in that song. It's like, I want to touch you, I want to kiss you, but I don't know if I should. I, I don't know if you, if, you, if you feel what I feel. I don't know if you're aware. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think my favorite line in that song is like, I don't want to be your friend, I just want to kiss your neck. <laughs> That's such a great Same one. mood. Because it's like, I know you know how I feel. Please, please. <laughs> but there's like... such a beautiful, there's this beautiful hesitation that he builds up throughout the whole song where he's like, I'm trying to tell you how I feel. And, and, and I feel like a lot of us have gone through this feeling of being in love with somebody and needing them to know, but being scared to tell them. And this is like this poor person like working through that fear to to get up the nerve to tell this person I'm in love with you I have feelings for you and and it's one of it's one of my favorite songs off the album curses that it's only on the deluxe version <laughs> yeah yeah that's but it's a, so good it's so good it's such a beautiful beautiful expression of that feeling of just like are we gonna <laughs> like can we like please right and it's I feel like it's one of those songs that belongs in, like, a heartfelt TV moment where, like, these two characters, they've been waiting. The, the will-they-won't-they they tension has been killing you for three seasons. Yes. And one of them has finally worked up the nerve That's to tell them how they feel. And it's like, X, what do you mean? You know what I mean, Y. I've always been in love with you. Always. And, like, that's the music you hear in the background right before they kiss for the first time. <laughs> yep, that's definitely You know. It's and I love, I love the vibe of the song. I think the music is beautiful. I, I'm their use of simple melody with 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 beautiful words conveys a very strong feeling to me of hope, like the hope that somebody will love you back. I'm a big old softy, <laughs> just okay. really, really love the song. Um, girls is one of my favorites. I love girls. I love girls. That song is such a great song. It's such a lit song when they perform it live too, because it's, it's like a pop. all all the all the girls are like, "Yes, that's the jam. That's the jam." And yep. you know, that's just that's totally, totally, totally all right. And mm-hmm. it's great because I listen to that song, and like it's so accurate to who I was as a teenager. Like, your typical stone day teen year old <laughs> like, like it, it it's sad but like true it's just girls breaking it's... hearts uptight eyes eyes bright uptight just girls it's fun to look at that song and be like like you it allows you to laugh at yourself from that time period but it's also like so clearly this man's frustration with yeah <laughs> It's like you laugh, girls. you're like, ha ha ha, but then you, you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, we're Real all t- mental. <laughs> Real talk, I thought when I first heard the song, he was singing about ghosts. <laughs> I, just ghosts. I yes, right I really there. thought he was, I uh, thought he was singing about ghosts, ghosts, and I was like, this is weirdly kinky, I like it. <laughs> I sort of picked it like Scooby-Doo for a little while when I first heard that song. Because <laughs> it's like, I think you better go because I can't take you. Oh, he's singing about ghosts in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but obviously, like, I thought about it and I was like, wait, this song's called Girls, not Ghosts. <laughs> and it kind of clicked with me. Oh, he's talking about us. <laughs> Talking about girls. Yep, us girls. Mm-hmm. Eyes bright, uptight, just girls. What I love about that song, too, is that that song is a brilliant moment of when the music video that I had in my head is the one mm-hmm. they actually ended up making. I think Sex is forever going to be cemented as a personal favorite, only because it was the first song I ever heard, and it's, it's a very alluring, very charged song. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it more than that. <laughs> at the risk of getting a little PG-13. Yeah, at, at the risk of going up in our ratings by one digit. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
That's all I'm gonna say about that. <sighs> My other favorite song in this album is Me. Oh man. That's a that's a painful one. Yeah, it's it's another bonus track. I don't know why all my favorite songs are on the bonus track. Like, I love the album completely, but all my favorite ones seem to come from the bonus track, except for Girls and Sex. They're EPs or <laughs> bops. Yeah. So Me was the last song on their Music for Cars EP, which was um, the EP that was anchored around the song Chocolate. Mm, that's fascinating, because if you said that all the EPs were centered around different tones... Yeah. Then that's fascinating. Yeah. It adds another mm. layer for you there. It does, because I would not have paired them together. Mm-hmm. But they did. So now I have to go back and listen and see what they were trying to say. Yeah, but me is a great song. It's so sad. I don't know why it's my favorite. It's so sad. I'm a, I'm a very melodramatic person who likes... I really like the general feel of... There's a very tangible feeling of um, despair as if this person is making a confession or maybe making a confession with their eyes and their heart but not with words mm-hmm. to somebody that they care about. Yeah. And I like that. Like, they're trying to blow off everything they feel like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, don't you mind. But obviously these things are extremely hard and painful for the speaker of the, you know, to talk about. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't want to necessarily say I relate to anything in that song, because that's not something you want to, like, say out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it. I relate to that song. Not in, not yeah. in a one-to-one, like, this has definitely happened to me. But I relate to the, like, sentiment of that song. This idea yeah. of, like, the feeling of feeling so guilty for the pain you inflict on others. Feeling guilty for whatever your actions have caused upon someone else. Even, like, regardless of the severity of those actions, because, like, I'm not a, mm-hmm. I'm not about to say that I've, like, done something so horrible to someone, but, like, just this, just this idea of just feeling so bad for your agency in someone else's situation. Like, just, mm-hmm. it's a deeply, deeply personal feeling. It's a deeply... Yeah, it's just so moving. It really is. It really is. To me, I, I never, I don't necessarily, well, I guess, you know, you know, I don't necessarily want to come out and say, yeah, I completely, that's, that's where I'm coming from with this, because it's not. In a way, I feel like it's more, for me, it's like, it taps into my desire to want to be understood and to want somebody to, like, to talk to or to want somebody to, to understand whatever it is, but it's also like, my problems aren't that big a deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I will keep everything bottled up forever, and then one day I'll die. So, <laughs> it's, it's like that. I don't know. I think that's the beauty of, of these songs, is that they can mean a lot of different things with a lot of different layers, and make people cry for many different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> that song definitely made me cry. Yeah. Multiple occasions. It's such a good song, though. Yeah! Pressure is a song hmm. that... I think some people sleep on sometimes, but mm-hmm. that song for me is one of those songs that really, I really, really connect to on more of a one-to-one level. Like, Interesting. Um, with, some, with some of the 1975 songs, like, the way I relate to them is a bit more like in the abstract, in the general feeling of the song but not necessarily, like, specifics. But, like, with Pressure, that song feels a lot more personal to me within the context of my own life. It's just, like, I love the chorus. If my heart stops beating, we'll bleed the same way. It's just so many of the lines in that song are just so smart and so good and just speak to this these feelings of just, like, fear and pressure just like just feeling under the gun and just feeling a little bit paranoid a little bit just unsure and unsettled in life and it's so interesting to me that they pair that with such a like smooth and laid back track you have these deeply personal vulnerable scared lyrics but with this really like chill laid back persona with the instrumentation 
And that marriage between those two things is something that really just speaks to, like, me and who I am as a person. Because I think, like, I get a lot of times people, like, look at me from the outside and they're like, oh, you're so chill. And I do have that sort of perception on the outside and then inside I'm, like, constantly freaking out all the time. You're, you're so freaked out that you've ascended to a higher plane of existence of constant panic. So that you always appear Yes, apparently. <laughs> um, so it's just, yeah, it's so interesting to just have that dichotomy within that one song. Yeah. It's, I love it. And I mean, that song, like, in itself, I think uh, Maddie wrote it more about being, like, feeling watched and feeling like, it's more about, like, dealing with, his popularity and his parents' popularity because his parents are famous in the UK. Are they yeah, actually? His mom was on like some that's cool. Famous British show, I think. So that song, he wrote it more about feeling watched at like growing up, being in the public eye a little bit as a result of his mother's fame. But like for me, like for me, it takes on another life and being more about just the way I feel within my own life, about just feeling under scrutiny, under my own personal scrutiny, and my own personal, like, feelings of pressure that I put on myself, and it's, yeah, I love that song so much, like, that, that's probably my other favorite, like, She Way Out and Pressure. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to I like it when you sleep for you're so beautiful yet so unaware of it. Beautiful title. By Fallout Boy. <laughs> it it does have Fallout Boy level length to that title, yes. I wanna take a moment to mention Please Be Naked. I love that song. I know it's an instrumental piece. So good though. But I there's something very beautiful about the image that it portrays, at least to me. I guess I guess it could be seen as bittersweet or even negative, but but to me it's like almost like a follow up to uh, falling for you, yeah. almost. I don't know if they intended it this way, but it's almost like you've gotten the answer, and you haven't seen this person in a while, and you're really just hoping that once you open that door, they'll be naked. You try to smash. <laughs> Like, like, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm really hoping that, like, this, you've told the person how you feel, they've gone, and you're, and they've told you to come there, and you're really hoping that in that split second before you open that door, they'll be willing to receive you, spiritually and physically. <laughs> <laughs> There's a beautiful, there, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's the anticipation of it. I don't know. I think it's a sweet, beautiful that's piece. Great. And I think that's I think that's true. I think it's definitely sort of speaking to that like feeling of like it's it's time just like please, it's it's time. <laughs> it it's just this is yeah. the time. Yeah. And it's it's the it's that moment, that sweet moment drawn out for yeah. 4 minutes. Of someone's hand on the doorknob, ready to turn it, hoping that they're gonna be yeah, let in. Like... And, and like, there is the, the sexual aspect of it, but there's also the emotional yeah. aspect of it. Like, I don't know, because to me, being intimate with somebody is not just being naked physically. It's being naked with your, yeah, emotionally with your spirit. Like, I'm bearing my all for you. Or, or the song is, this person has bared it all, and they're standing there hoping to be accepted for what yeah. they're showing. Like, do you, I hope you still find me desirable once you know about all my mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And I think that's a, a very, that's, that's, a, that's a fear everybody has, I think, when they, when they start a new relationship. Please love me yeah. as I am, like, as I am yeah. naked. Definitely. So, that's one of my favorites, which is weird because it's definitely 
just an instrumental yeah, piece. I mean, there, there are a lot of really great standouts in their instrumental pieces on this one. I like, um, I actually really like the title track on this album, which isn't a instrumental piece, really, but it kind of is. It's, it's mostly, mostly, and then it branches into yeah, words at the um, end. And I really love that song, um, because yes. I really like the 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 one line that is in that song, which, where it's just like, before you go, turn the light on. And I think within the context of that song, like, it's just such a beautiful moment. Um, and it's kind of, it's mm-hmm. like a beautiful sadness in that song. It's just like, before you yeah. go, turn the lo- light on. It's kind of just like a, it's this feeling of like, someone's leaving and someone's leaving you and you're just like, if you're gonna leave, at least like, give me something. This feeling of just like, please don't leave me alone completely. That's the feeling that I always get from it. And it's so sad, but it's so beautifully done. Because there's like a beautiful vulnerability to it. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it's a recognition, again, it like speaks to this sort of like, this recognition that like, you, you can't do this alone. Oh, it's this recognition that you need others in your life, and you need people in yeah. your life, and you in in any context, whether it be romantic or platonic or just like what whatever capacity, like you just there there is a need for somebody that's going to leave a light on for you. Someone that's going to be there. Yeah, I think I think it's beautiful. I think that song, even just the instrumentation of it is just so, it's so, like, beautiful and light. It's, like, light and airy, but still, like, powerful. I agree. I don't know. It goes, again, to this weird motif that they've got in capturing a sense of beautiful yeah. sadness. Paris is also kind of like that, too. Paris is great. Um... It, it makes me think of Sabrina. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, the how, how she's always like, Paris is always a good idea. And she runs away to Paris because in Paris she was happy. And we're not talking about Sabrina the Teenage Witch. We're talking about the film. Well, either film. With Audrey Hepburn or um, Harrison Ford. Either one. They're both excellent. But in both, the main character, Sabrina, is only happy when she's in Paris. Oh, like she, she falls in love when she's back home in America. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, not to spoil the movie, but things go wrong, and um, and she says this line about about Paris, and and it's so true. <laughs> Sometimes to be happy, you just need to run away from your problems. <laughs> Go yeah. to Paris. <laughs> yeah, in that song, it's just like this idea of just like things were better at another time in our lives. It's this sort of disillusionment with the initial happiness or high that you felt within the context of. A relationship, and I think it's just such. It's so beautiful. I've said beautiful so many times in this episode, but like, there's so much beauty yeah, in the 1975, and the way that they put music together. It's just, it's like they approach music like painters. They paint these magnificent portraits and pictures and landscapes with their music, and I like. And when I listen to Paris, I think about just this beautiful expression of longing and desire for another time, a simpler time. Man, I love that song. Oh, I'd love to go to Paris again. I will say that I really love the song, This Must Be My Dream, and I know (laughs) Maddie hates it. I know. Now. I know know he said that, but... I, going back to that stupid hopeless romantic thing that I confessed to, I love how happy this song is and how beautiful it is and yet how bittersweet it is, right? Like, there's there's a tinge of something else there under the layers of, like, this must be my dream. Like, I see you in my life and, and I have to be dreaming because I was awake before. Like, it's it's a weird play on old romance songs and stories about how when someone beautiful and when somebody you love walks into your life for the first time, what's the first thing you think? Mm-hmm. You've woken me up. Like, before I was living a dream, 
and you woke me up yeah. kind of a thing. Like, and not even, not even figuratively. What do we see with Sleeping Beauty? What do we see with Snow White? It's somebody literally being awoken by true love mm-hmm. into real life. And he sort of turns that on its head and is saying, like, you know, I'm in love with you. I'm in a dream. And before I was awake. Yeah. Which is both sad and beautiful. Again, Honest- with the sad and the beautiful. Honestly, what I like about <laughs> um, that song, I think, I think it's, it's no accident that this must be my dream comes right before Paris. Because in some ways, it's like, it's sort of like a before and after kind of thing. This must be my dream. Yeah. Like, you're right. It, it's a bittersweet because on one hand, it's telling this story of um, finding somebody that's going to change your life. That's like, she's like, she's everything I've ever wanted. She's this dream that I've, been constantly yearning for but then realizing mm-hmm. that maybe that's not all there is maybe there's a darker side what do you do once you get the dream kind of thing like it's the aftermath and realizing that maybe dreams were meant to be dreams and then go it goes into paris and it's just this sort of like res- resignation of just realizing that you wish you could go back to that time where that person was this dream that you had just stepped into as opposed to just being in the now where you're living real life and having to come to terms with all of the flaws and idiosyncrasies that come with that. It's just, yeah, there's so much... There's so many layers to all of these songs. It's also good. It's a beautiful album. I love this band so much. I would like to point out, we didn't mention this once, and I'm surprised you didn't. That's the first time we saw them live, we actually met them. Yes, oh my god. The first time we saw the 1975. So we went to the venue, and we saw the show. The show was amazing. I know I have no way of proving this, but I low-key think that Maddie Healy sung part of um, She Way Out to me. Um, and nice. I'm just going to hold that in my head as my memory. Um, but that's fine. But yeah, after the show ended, we. I don't even know how we knew to stay late, but we just. Oh, ended. we were just trying to buy stuff. Yeah. We were just trying to buy stuff. We were just, I wanted a t shirt. <laughs> yeah, we were like trying to figure out what to buy, and then all of a sudden we're like, Oh my god, the band is here. Like and so yeah, I got to meet I got to meet Maddie and Ross and George and take a picture with them and the best thing happened is when I walked up to them, like they're trying to get people through the line pretty quickly. So I didn't have a mm-hmm. whole lot of time. But like I remember like I first I hugged Ross because he was the first person. And then I get to Maddie, and the first thing Maddie says to me is, I love your braids. Mm-hmm. And I, I, oh my god. I was just like, thanks. Like, <laughs> I, I was, I could not, that was like literally the happiest I could have ever been. But I'm ready for them to rip my heart out all over again. Yeah, I need them to hurry up and like release whatever it is they've got cooking so that they can go on tour so I can see them live again and I like I need that I need that to happen this summer in addition to the panic at the disco tour <laughs> so I can just have the best summer we we just need a lot to happen <laughs> so get on it <laughs> get it together let's do it I mean yeah Take your time if you need it, but <laughs> also, I need this album. But also hurry up, yeah. It's like Hosier. We should do a Hosier album. Oh, man. Thank you so much for listening. Please, 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 like us on Facebook at R- Rhapsody and Reverie Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Rhapsody Podcast. Go to our website. Um, subscribe to us. We are now on iTunes. 
leave us a rating if you go on iTunes and check us out. Give us five stars, four stars, three stars, two stars, one star. Write some feedback for us there. If you leave an exceptionally great comment, positive or negative, we'll shout it out on the show. So give us your best and or your worst. Peace out. Catch us next week and tune in to discover who our next featured artist yeah, is. Yeah, hey, if you have a guess, let us know what your guess is. Their second album's title comes from the novel Less Than Zero by Brett Easton Ellis. So if y'all do some research, that, that's, that's a, hint. a real hint. That's a real hint. If you figure it out, tweet it at us, and we will shout you out Yes. on our episode. So, this has been our 1975 episode. We should say goodbye now. We should. I feel like we've tried to say goodbye so many times, but we just love you so much. <laughs> I love you. love you. So much. Oh, God. So much. <laughs> you mean so much to me. Even though I have no idea who you are. You complete me. <laughs> Shut up. No. Shut up. You had me at hello. <laughs> no words. Just dreams. <laughs> I wrote you. Every day. Every day. <laughs> Bye, guys. We love you. Bye. Mwah. Call us when you get home safe. <laughs> okay, I love you. Bye.